Thank you, Heather, Jesse, Carter, for leading us into this Easter morning. It's terrific, unbelievable news that we gather here to celebrate today. And I wish you were here, of course, to not only be together, but to kind of be a part of this celebration of life blooming before us, the beautiful flowered cross. Thank you to so many who came out yesterday to flower the cross. It was so great to see many of you in person. Uh, so what a, what a glorious morning to be together. I encourage you to take your Bible and to turn to the Acts of the Apostles. This is in the 10th chapter. So after the resurrection as the disciples began to fan out across the world in those days. We have an episode with Peter, the lead disciple, meeting a man named Cornelius. Let's hear the word of God. And then Peter began to speak in verse 34, chapter 10. And Peter said, I know I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. We give thanks to God. As much as we gather on a morning like this to celebrate this new day, this resurrection Easter day, I'm sorry, but... This is not Easter. <laughs> not as we hoped it would be, anyway. I know, I've been listening to pastors from all over the world say things like, well, the church may be empty this Easter, but so was the tomb. Christ is risen. Theologically, yes, I agree. We don't need a packed house for the resurrection to be a reality for us but it sure helps. I'm sure you've seen the social media post which is making the rounds of the pastor who is standing at his pulpit delivering the Easter message 
And each pew, while empty, is also filled with a photograph of the members of the church spread throughout the sanctuary. It sure helped him to see all those faces as he gave the message. And everything was going along just fine until the phone started to ring with church members upset because someone else was in their pew. (laughs) Well, that would never happen here, I know. Of course, on this day, we ordinarily need to slide over to scrunch together, set up folding chairs around the perimeter, and we gladly give up our regular spot to gather with a full house. There is a a worldwide plan I've heard for churches when this virus thing is behind us to gather back together and to have Easter together, whatever Sunday that may be. Jared McClure, our director of youth, I mentioned that to him this week, and he said, you mean we'll get a rebate on Easter? Yeah, like a rain check. (laughs) And that will be the ticket for us to be back together, a full house, to sing together and to express our faith in Christ who is risen indeed. Easter, it just needs people gathering in full voice to belt out a string of alleluias, and I hope you've done that this morning. Easter needs a a couple dozen or more lilies with their trumpet petals wide open, all creation, giving praise to our risen Lord. Easter needs a banquet with laughter and old family jokes being retold, a kid's table where all the fun really seems to be happening, adults trying to figure out a way to get demoted to the kid's table because that's where it's at. Easter needs a celebration It needs a response, especially this year. Yenat Sets Vietnam has our nation been so immersed in such tragedy and such death. On this resurrection morning, the COVID-19 numbers have steadily climbed to over 20,000 deaths in the U.S., over 100,000 deaths worldwide. This virus has tragically taken the, literally the breath right out of people, which ironically is counter to the effect of the resurrection of Jesus, which breathed new life and was the beginning of a new story. It was to bolster life and to create a, a new vista. Yet the word that I keep hearing in these weeks is, uncertainty. Everything is so up in the air. And that seems accurate. Nothing seems certain now. Mitch Album, the sports writer turned really theologian in residence through many of his books, has said, I believe the biggest themes of life are put into the best focus when held up against the very sharp light of mortality. That light is extra bright this Easter. How many more will suffer and die? Will it come close to our lives? I do wish you were 
each here this morning, and we could remind each other, take perspective on our mortality, but also to take heart in a faith that goes beyond this life. The Apostle Paul realized as he wrote those letters in those early days of the resurrection, remember how Paul writes, he says, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable, he said, will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written that death has been swallowed up in victory. We need that today. Our great new friend, worldwide Dr. Fauci, he now says that it may be all the way till November before normalcy returns. And ah, how can that be? The news this morning is not good. Until we open the gospel account. And we hear once again this story, this episode, this groundbreaking story of the empty tomb a risen Savior, and we begin once again to comprehend that the end is not now. The end is not the end. The line I've used through the years on Easter morning, it's probably needed even more today. That simple line is on Easter, you can see forever. Death loses its grip with a stone rolled back. And indeed, Paul expressed O death, where is thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? And so we read these New Testament writers, John and Peter and Paul and Luke, and they all did not believe that what happened to Jesus was an isolated event. They all came away with a a conviction that what happened to Jesus was just the start of what would happen to all creation. They spoke of him as the first fruits of a coming harvest. It meant that there was going to indeed be a forever. Life would spring from places of sorrow. New beginnings would crop up out of a place of shame. Purity of heart would rise from callous souls. Easter, from the very first day the women went and found the tomb empty, it was just something to tell. It was about mortality being replaced with immortality, of uncertainty moving into a place of hope. Everything was running off in a new direction toward a conviction of something more. And so our text today from the book of Acts, it seems tailor-made for this Easter. Here we are in our homes. There was Peter in the home of Cornelius. And they were all sort of waiting to see what would happen next. This all took place in Caesarea in those early days. Peter has become, in a sense, the man, the, the rock that Jesus said he would become. And he was leading the early church, the early believers. And when he arrives here at Cornelius' house, Cornelius falls at Peter's feet in reverence. Peter quickly says to him, 
get up, I'm only a man myself, alluding to the fact that he's just like us, mere mortals. It's a good resurrection effect story right there. It's about humility. It's a snapshot of the early church. There there would be no pretension now, not after Easter. There is an evenness in the community of God, a unity in the risen Lord. We're all just mortals, suddenly realizing that we're all really quite free and quite alive. And so Peter is called to the scene to help Cornelius, a Gentile, a a Roman centurion, a soldier, to help him understand that he too is now part of the story of God. Cornelius has this vision to summon Peter. Then Peter himself has this vision that's very new to him. It's about animals and uh, wild beasts and creepy, crawly things all being lowered from heaven on a sheet. And Peter's instructed in this vision to kill them and to eat them, which was, you know, forbidden. You know, for a good Jewish person, it was unclean. And so Peter is aghast, of course, saying that he has never done something like that that would be considered unclean. But he hears a voice. And the voice says to Peter, what God has cleansed, you must not call, un- must not call common. Peter had no idea what it all meant until he met Cornelius, a Gentile, an unclean person in those days, a man he previously would have nothing to do with. And he says to this very relieved Roman soldier, God has shown me that I should not call anyone common or unclean. It's an Easter story. The resurrection does that. It shifts us into new places, new ways of thinking. You heard what Peter said there in the text today. He spoke about Jesus being Lord of all, how he traveled all over Judea and Galilee, how he taught, how he healed, how God was with him, and that we were witnesses, Peter said, to all of that. And then he was hung on a cross And then verse 40, key verse. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, and we are witnesses. The whole thing turns on a single conjunction, but. But God raised him on the third day. The resurrection is the founding story for people who we're not sure they could ever be a part of the story of God. It puts flesh and bone on Jesus' radical teachings that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, or that the meek, that they would indeed inherit the earth, or that we find our life only when we lose it. Now we know that faith does mean something. The resurrection of Jesus is God's Great conjunction to the world. They put Jesus to death on a tree, but, 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 God raised him on the third day. And for anyone who may be out there thinking that there's no place for them in the story of God, 
thought they had run out of chances, canceled their own future with doubt, uncertainty, poor behavior, or anything at all. Peter then comes at us with this word, but God raised him on the third day. It's our human story, but it's also God's story. You know, I started out in ministry in two rural churches in north-central Idaho, logging towns up there on the Clearwater River. And when I arrived there straight out of seminary, I would, I would go to shake somebody's hand, perhaps after church or down at the post office, and I would go in for the shake, but find that I'm only gripping two or three fingers at times all these digits that were surrendered down at the sawmill. (laughs) People were rugged there. My first fall there, I would always turn my head as I would drive down Main Street during hunting season. These guys would have their big bull elks propped up over the tops of their pickup cabs, the big antlers, that big rack, just hanging out over the windshield as they drive through town. It gave me a double take in the massive body of these elks in the, in the bed of the pickup. It's the way it was there. Holy Week up there in the Clearwater River Valley brought us all together with our, our Nez Perce brothers and sisters. Up and down the Clearwater River, there must have been seven or eight Presbyterian churches, many of them Nez Perce in, in orientation or in origination. I had the more... Caucasian Presbyterian churches in the valley. Presbyterianism goes way back to missionaries that came mid-19th century and planted all these congregations. We would all get together every night of Holy Week from Palm Sunday all the way through to Easter. Each night would be assigned to a different speaker. I had a night. Others had other nights. So that first year in town, in the valley, I went on Monday night, Holy Week, with a few others from my churches. We sang and listened, and we were regular, very dutiful Presbyterians, looking forward to the benediction. <laughs> then it happened. That first, that Monday night of Holy Week, one of my new friends there, near the end of the service, steps to the microphone and says, Brother Steve, Could you say a few words? What? I'm scheduled for Wednesday, not Monday. I mean, you mean now? What would you say? What do you do in that moment? I was at a loss, to be honest. I had nothing, nothing outside of that which I believe. I have a friend who says that their family motto is, you got to say something. So I did. It was so long ago, I can't really recall what it is that I preached on that night when summoned to speak. But I know that on Tuesday night, I had a sermon in my back pocket. (laughs) I was going to be ready. I think I told you a little bit of my faith story over this past year. I never thought this sort of thing, public speaking, ministry, would be my life. But maybe God would show me something I did not yet know. 
My wife, Cindy, she likes to say she didn't marry a preacher, she married a ski patroller. <laughs> I used to read C.S. Lewis books on the long, quiet chairlift rides back up the mountain those first years we were married. And I remember praying on those long rides up the mountain, God, am I part of something bigger? Am I part of your story? I think I told you not long ago that recently, just this last winter, I was in the ski instructor locker room where I was working, and another instructor, a, a young woman, had heard that I was soon to come and serve as the interim pastor here in Salt Lake City. And it was just the two of us there in, in that locker room, and she said, are you a pastor or something? I said, I was. And she said, well, I, I thought you did something big. Made my day, actually. It is big, what we all are involved in. It's huge, not being a pastor, but being part of the resurrection story. Being a witness. Allowing our lives to be swept up into the conjunction that is Jesus Christ. But he was raised on the third day. If that is true, eternity is a reality. Things get suddenly very large. Mortality is limited. And we only see in part now, but then, then we shall see face to face and it will all become clear. Have you ever noticed how the resurrection accounts in the Gospels are they describe this event not in an actual retelling of the actual resurrection, but always as the effect of the resurrection. Nobody saw Jesus walk out of the tomb and wrote that down. It's only reported later and believed and acted on. People experience Easter in their own lives and begin to tell it to others. Once I was lost, now I'm found. I was like this, but now it seems I'm more like this. My life was rather dark and lost and confused, but now I feel different, better, brighter, lighter. Philip Yancey, the Christian writer, describes this resurrection effect like this. He says that Jesus succeeded in changing a snuffling band of unreliable followers into fearless evangelists. That 11 men who had deserted him at death now went to martyrs' graves, avowing their faith in a resurrected Christ. That these few witnesses managed to set loose a force that would overcome the violent opposition, first in Jerusalem and then in Rome. This remarkable sequence, he says, of transformation offers the most convincing evidence for the resurrection. What else explains the whiplash change in men known for their cowardice and instability? Matthew's retelling of the resurrection morning it begins all with this very subdued line, a, a statement about the timing of it all. 
Matthew 28 opens with the line, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week. Sounds rather matter-of-fact, easy enough to pass by, yet this is news of something transitory that God has done in the resurrection. A Jewish Sabbath went from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. The next day, Sunday, was a regular day, a work day. It was then that Jesus came from the grave, consecrating our everyday life with a newness to it, raising it up from mediocrity and ordinariness into a spectacular spiritual resurrected life. It would inaugurate a whole new era, a new dawn of a new age. It's conjunction day, but on the third day, he was raised from the dead. It was like, this is no more, now it's like this. The other line, I always like at Easter and every day, comes from the author Anne Voskamp, who simply said that life is not an emergency. The resurrection has settled that, has changed that. We need not fear anymore. The prophet Hosea, long before Christ came, held out hope of a Savior who would bring eternity to bear on God's creation. He said, let us strive to know the Lord whose coming is as sure as the sunrise. He will come to us like the rain, like spring rains that water the earth. Here we are, life along the foot of the Wasatch. And it leaves us waiting every morning, watching, anticipating this new day. And especially up here on the, the east bench, the sun works its way into this tucked away corner of the city, climbing each morning until it reaches the ridgeline before spilling out light across this broad valley. And we just wait, certain, but waiting. We're certain the sun will rise, it will paint a new day with bright hope, new color, new perspective. In uncertain times such as these, Hosea would have a striving to know that the Lord who's coming, it's as certain as a sunrise. What do you say? when the time comes and you're called upon to speak to the hope that is within you, what's in your back pocket? When you are summoned to give a reason for that hope, what do you say? What do you live with? May I encourage you to just talk about the conjunction of Jesus. Peter could talk of nothing else but on the third day, he rose again. The resurrection serves as a conjunction of life, of death, and life anew. Easter is always the beginning of the story, your story, my story with God. And it is big, bigger than life itself.
on Easter, we can see forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we stand before you as mortals, hoping for immortality. Lord, so long ago you provided your own son for each of us, crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day he rose again. And the signal was clear that we then in him, as we believe, as we trust, as we follow, we have new life as well. Because he lives, we shall live also. Fill us with new hope, a bright new spirit. In these uncertain days, would you give us your peace and your hope, which will live with us forever. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.